0: Today's episode is brought to you in part by the fine folks down at Drift Outfitters in downtown Toronto, Ontario. Drift Outfitters is your source for all things fly fishing. From waiters and boots to thread and feathers, Drift has it all. Check in on their website for the latest updates and policies regarding shopping during the pandemic. Curbside pickup for your online and phone orders is a great way to get the gear you need, and they're shipping for free across Canada on orders over 175 bucks. Visit Driftoutfitters.com to learn more. Driftoutfitters.com. Hello and welcome to another episode of SoFly. It is, uh, looks like I'm looking at the dates on my phone. It's August 9th. Look at that. Uh, we're back recording another episode. Uh, of course, we got me, Mitch. We've got Yoma Hello, everyone. And we've got Aldo. Uh, hey, everybody. And uh, we're super excited today because we're chatting about um, something we've actually spoken a lot about on the show, uh, which is the Credit River, a river near us here in our home waters in southern Ontario. Um, we're talking about it, actually couple days before we're doing a fish party here in Toronto, which we'll talk more about after too. But our last fish party was, uh, was all about saving the, uh, the brook trout in the credit river It was uh, the Southern Ontario trout opener social. And this one's the money's going back to the credit river brook trout as well for this. Um, So we're really excited to be talking with somebody that's doing a bunch of work to help protect the, uh, the credit and the, uh, the brook trout in the Credit River. We've got um, Andrew H- Horath, uh, who's a PhD student at Carleton University in Ottawa, Ontario, um, and a member in both the Fish Ecology and Conservation Physiology Lab and Ecological Research and Applications Collaborative. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm, it's rare I say such academic things on the show but uh, it sounds very incredible. Uh, his focus is on socioecology of freshwater fisheries and he's interested in creative and unconventional ways to build capacity and resilience in Canada's freshwater fisheries. More importantly though he's a total fishing geek. Uh, And he's obsessed with fly fishing and fly tying, and he has been for more than a decade. He spends almost all of his free time chasing muskie, steelhead, and any other fish he can find to take his fly. Uh, As Andrew says, for better or worse, the lines between his work and play are super blurry. Uh, Today, he's on SoFly. Andrew, welcome to the show.
1: Thanks, Mitch. I should have given you uh, less of a mouthful in that intro, I'm realizing now. uh, (laughs) Those are words that I stumble over every single time I say them, so sorry
2: about (laughs) that.
0: Hey, man, it's super impressive. I mean, even though, you know, uh, I asked what la- how to pronounce your last name, I think I still kind of messed that up, too. So, you know, <laughs> so I've had a lot of coffee today. No sweat.
1: <laughs> uh,
2: but, yeah, it's, thanks it's for It's Howarth, on, right?
1: <laughs> yeah, you got it. Howarth, worth Thanks yes. for having me. I, I've listened to your podcast since uh, it came to be. So, it's, it's cool. Oh, hey.
0: That's awesome. Why? Thank you. Why? <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome man super excited uh, that you decided to come to chat because um yeah we're i mean you know we're all the stuff you've been doing i mean we've been talking about uh to john john's actually mentioned you quite a few times and the work you're doing on the credit uh, so we're really stoked to be talking but um where, where are you calling him from today are you are you in ottawa uh,
1: i'm actually in oakville i'm i'm visiting with my parents while i do some work on the credit i, oh, nice. I live in ottawa these days but yeah this is uh the best place for me to stay while i'm back here doing some work
0: totally yeah not too far from the right credit on. at all yeah uh have you been fishing uh fishing a lot lately or like what's uh what's been going on too busy working
1: uh yeah not a lot of fishing for fun uh yeah. this week i've been fishing for for science i guess technically although like <laughs> that's a little disingenuous it's still fun to be out but uh <laughs> August I, is kind of, you know, as far, like, other than the months where everything's iced over, August is kind of a slow month for me. So. See,
0: that's always so cool, though. You wow. know, we have people on the show that are like, yeah, I haven't really been fishing a lot for fun. I've been fishing a lot for work lately. Um, you know, I mean, that's yeah. pretty pretty sweet. <laughs> yeah,
1: I mean, it's about the only reason that I would be out brook tri- or fishing this time of year and this kind of heat would be for this and nothing right. else, so... Yeah. It's interesting. I'm never up there fishing brook trout at this time of year. It's a bit of a different game, but
2: mm-hmm. it's
1: it's more of the same than it is different. Which I was kind of surprised to see.
0: Yeah, yeah, no doubt, no doubt. Um, okay, well, that's cool. We'll get we'll get more into sort of um, you know the credit and obviously your research and um, and yeah, like you say, fishing this time of year for work. Uh, before we get into that stuff, though, why don't we just like kind of go back and, and start with. How you got into fishing in general, and then we could talk about how you got into fly fishing. So, how, how did you get like? What was your first memories with a, a fishing rod?
1: Yeah, I, I so I spent uh, a lot of the time during summer when I was younger, like you know five to ten years old, up uh, at my grandmother's house. She lives up north of Belleville, and okay. oh, so nice. when I was up there, one of the things that you just did was fish. Um everybody locally fishes. Uh when you're hanging out with your cousins and your brother, you you go fishing. So for whatever reason, I like doing it more than any of them and wanted to do it all the time past a certain point. And then uh I guess a little over ten years ago when I was sort of in my early teens, uh we went on a family vacation to New Hampshire. And right on. the type of fishing that you do down there is you well, you fly fish for trout, there's kind of nothing else right. to do. Right, And that's just sort of how I got into that. And, you know, I went from wanting to be a bass master to, uh, yeah. like, this is way better. <laughs> <You> like all <laughs> of <Totally>. us.
3: <laughs> yeah. So um, yeah.
2: Were you, did you grow up in Ottawa or, I mean, I know you're, you go to school there now, but is that where you're from originally?
1: I'm from here, uh, Oakville GTA. Okay. Right. So, yeah. uh, this is yeah, this is where I grew up and, uh, I've only recently got there. I, I understand, uh, I think Mitch is from Ottawa, right? Both of so it was Aldo,
0: yeah, both of Aldo's us, and, uh, here, right. yeah, yeah. So yeah. you know, actually, I went to Carlton, but I mean, we fished around the university. Like, yeah. there's such good water there to fish too. You know, oh, yeah. so yeah, yeah, it yeah. was
1: great. When I started up there, I was uh, taking tips from you guys on the podcast. I was yeah <laughs> uh, awesome. a, a spot or two, and then I'd go check
0: it out. So oh yeah, we're burning <laughs> yeah. spots and we're telling people where to go. And <laughs> it's great,
2: but <laughs> well, uh, yeah. we're burning gar gar spots mainly. Yeah, if there's yeah, Hogsback <laughs> like, Falls. <laughs> gar oh yeah yeah there you go yeah totally (laughs) burn it up
0: (laughs) where where about whereabouts north of belleville did you did you fish as a kid
1: so my grandmother lives in tweed she still does and she's right on the moira river so uh the moira river was full of smallmouth bass and uh still Mm -hmm. is that was mm -hmm. kind of a a lot of rock bass a lot of smallmouth bass and you know as it turned out i guess pretty ideal way to get into fishing because it it's incredibly easy.
0: <laughs> oh yeah, totally. The moira is awesome, eh? What a cool river.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I yeah. like fishing the Moira.
0: There's um, huge musky in there too, is, isn't there?
2: Huge, yeah, there aren't there or were there I felt were. there, yeah, I felt there was.
1: There's, in in certain spots. Yeah, it's it's they're kind of uh, they're kind of limited to the sections of the river that are deeper and can actually right. hold a fish like that and lots of prey, but yeah, in certain sections there's some pretty big muskie, yeah.
2: Nice. Nice. Radical. Um, did you, when did you get into, like, so after, New, you know, you, you grew up fly fishing, or sorry, you grew up fishing, went to New Hampshire, learned out a fly fish, and then did you bring, did you bring that kind of, like, love home and start fishing in around Oakville?
1: Yeah, yeah. So, I immediately decided, like, this is what I, well, I didn't decide. It was just the thing that I liked doing and wanted to be doing. So, mm-hmm. um, the closest... Salmonid that I could get to were great lake steelhead and brown trout and whatever else you could find in Bronte Creek. Uh, yeah. so I started doing that, um, you know, spending summer fishing for smolts in the headwaters, that sort of thing. And then eventually realized that when you live in Ontario and you fly fish, you should probably fish for bass too. So it expanded to basically everything that was available. Was it a similar story for you guys? Like what, you know, did you, I don't know. It seems like a lot of people I talk to it's, you start out fly fishing and it's all about trout almost because it seems like it should be. And then you, you know,
0: oh, yeah, no, for fish. sure. Oh, fly fishing is totally like I th- that. I mean, like it was like that for Aldo and I in a big way, you know, I mean, I think it was right. For like sure. Growing up in no, Ottawa, sure. it was like it was, yeah. warm water fish, pike, bass, that right. kind of stuff. And we were looking for trout and we had to go to upstate New York to do it, you yeah. know, like we had to drive a little bit.
2: Which yeah. you know, funny enough now looking back on that, it's like the same driving distances from like my house here in Toronto to the Grand. So yeah. like what seemed like a far drive back then is is pretty typical. So actually yeah. if you grow up in Ottawa and, and you're, you know, willing to go to upstate New York, I, I think you know it's it's um and to to get that trout stream fix, you know, it, it's not really um that hard, you know, but but like you yeah. said, like I think um you know it's pretty typical i think for people from ottawa too to want to be a bass master because there's yeah. there is so much bass fishing in and around ottawa and there's so many tournaments in and around ottawa like my neighbor like yeah. um my neighbor was a tournament angler yeah. and you know that's kind of what got in a way me into into fishing like he would come home with like you know, they have like 400 million rods and he would like just give me the rods he didn't need. It was like, hot. it was like the best neighbor ever. He would come yeah. home and like with a box of like, I'm sure just lures that were given to him, you know, and yeah. and rods are given to him. He's like, I'm not going to use this, give it to this stupid kid. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, totally. and then like you, 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 you know, you learn that, you know, bass fishing is pretty awesome and, and, and that trout doesn't have to be everything, especially because our summers get so hot and of course even hotter now.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. I think uh, you kind of learn to go with the flow a little. Mm
2: -hmm. So
0: what got you into sort of, you know, what you're doing with academics? Like, was it fishing that kind of got you into wanting to pursue that?
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, I went to a liberal arts undergrad school and had enough freedom to sort of, you know, start to veer toward the research and the topics I was interested in. Mm -hmm. And fishing was the obvious choice. Um, or you know fish I guess uh, fisheries would be more accurate but uh, fishing is definitely where the interest comes from
0: yeah yeah I feel you man because like when I was like growing up learning to fish too it was like maybe I'll do something like that in school you know they're like what are you gonna do when you grow up i'm like i like fish and then i realized i couldn't do science because i'm an idiot so you know it didn't work out (laughs) quite the same way as it did for you but you uh, can
2: pronounce the courses and you're like (laughs) like, you know what (laughs) well maybe english
0: is better suited for me (laughs) uh but that's cool man i mean uh so what was your path like how did you how did you find yourself from starting college to where you're at now with the phd stuff
1: yeah, I, I, so I did my undergrad in environmental science and uh, toward the end of it did uh, an independent study, uh, an honors thesis uh, where I could choose my topic and I did a, a fisheries topic. Um, yeah. After leaving undergrad, I knew sort of if I wanted to work in the field that graduate degree was sort of necessary. Um, there are jobs for just undergraduate degrees in fisheries, but uh, for the most part, if you want to pursue it, you go to grad school. Um, I didn't have to look very far. Uh, you know, already read and cited papers by one of my co-supervisors, Steve Cook, and I was aware of his lab at Carleton. Um, and so I reached out to him. He put me in touch with, um, Vivian Nguyen, who's my other co-supervisor and, um, the primary investigator at the other lab that I mentioned. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, once I was in contact with them, we were able to pretty quickly sort out a project and a, a path forward.
0: Nice. That's so why, pretty, pretty I guess, cool. before we get into maybe like why, why the credit, why the Brookies? what, for people listening that don't know, can you explain what the credit river is? Like what even is this water
1: yeah. source? <laughs> yeah. The credit river is, a uh, one of the bigger rivers draining into the North shore of Lake Ontario. <sighs> um, Bless you, Yoma. Bless you,
3: Yoma. <laughs> oh, I thought I muted it. No, I was clicking at the same time and like. No, no. This is why I like this podcast. Jesus. Clicking at the same
2: time. <laughs> What's going on? Not already? asking. Haven't asked any questions
3: yet, and all I do is sneeze. Oh, there Yoma's on this.
2: Oh, Yoma is on the podcast. God. Uh,
3: Sorry, yeah. Andrew. I credit River.
1: No, no no. Oh, no, no. Apology needed. Um. I guess the more the most relevant section of the credit or yeah. the upper credit is what we're talking about specifically. So when you get past um, Brampton, Terracotta, uh, up toward the escarpment and where the credit starts to gain elevation, mm-hmm. um, you get to the headwater area of it, which is, uh, you know, relative to the surrounding region, it's a, a very high quality cold water stream habitat, um, which is very conducive to, you know, yeah. good trout populations and fishing um, above two large waterfalls um, one at bell fountain and cataract falls around caledon you have populations of relatively unaltered wild brook trout that have existed there uh, as long as people have been around on this continent I love that. Um, hmm. they provide you know a really good opportunity and setting to study brook trout um, you know in the region uh a lot of other populations in adjacent watersheds the humber comes to mind um you know there's 16 mile creek brawny creek there's 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 all sorts of rivers draining into the north shore but the credit is arguably the one um aside from a couple maybe out east that is you know intact and still has high quality habitat and good populations of brook trout so it's it's a good place to go in and you know do the type of research that um steve and i decided to do
2: Given i've never asked this question before like given is it the escarpment that's made it so resilient just wondering like like if 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 we're comparing it to the humber or um you know bronte or or something like that 16 mile it doesn't i don't think anyway. um they don't benefit from the same kind of elevation change as the credit is is that's what keeping it cold or 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 Uh,
1: i i'm not sure that might play a part i think it Mm. probably It has a lot to do with, I think the main thing, if I were to guess, you know, I'm not too knowledgeable about the history of the watershed, but just the amount of development and the amount of encroachment on the stream, I think has the biggest impact and Mm you know, the amount of exploitation, those fish see and how intact their habitat remains as people begin to build around it. I think that has the most to do with it. And that could be a terrain thing. It's, it's Mm -hmm. more difficult to develop, but for whatever reason, those headwaters have remained, pretty intact uh, at least compared to other ones you know there's all sorts of damming there's mill ponds all over them but uh yeah
0: the so it's possible of for it it's possible like brawny 16 mile like all those creeks at one point were like just as like prestigious isn't the right word but like as habitable pristine. i suppose pristine that's yeah, a good word I, thank you yoma
1: yeah okay. i'm sure they totally would have been And you know it's it's less publicized i think but if you go out east to creeks like you know the ganaraska the wilmot there's you know really good habitat in the headwaters of those rivers too Mm -hmm. um yeah and and then more recently i guess the the relevant thing to say is that you know advocates anglers people who have a vested interest in conserving brook trout populations up there have done a ton of work to yeah you know i I guess mitigate whatever um stress is happening in other watersheds
2: right yeah yeah
0: it's cool to hear even though like we know what the credit is and of course like it's you know good for listeners for you to define what it is it's cool to hear um you talk about what it is i know just talking about like um the the water and the fish like it really like as much as we know it's like such a unique body of water you know like it's such a great thing so close to home is that kind of why you picked uh the credit for i guess i guess that is why you'd pick it for your phd
1: yeah well that for the same reason that uh you know, it does stand out in the region. It's also a good site for research because, like I said, yeah. those brook trout populations are, you know, healthy compared to the surrounding region. Um, mm-hmm. There's good numbers of fish. Um, if you're going to do a telemetry study like the one I'm, I'm doing right now, you need, you know, a good number of fish that are large enough to hold a tag and, you know, swim around a river that is in good enough shape that they can move around and behave yeah. as they would, mm-hmm. you know, in an unaltered system. So if you want to study brook trout as they... Are relatively undisturbed in southern ontario you choose the credit river i think
2: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so um obviously a lot to unpack there um yeah (laughs) i was like where do we where do we start i guess yeah what what is your study what are you currently focusing on
1: so there's there's two big components to it um the first one uh for which i did a lot of the work back in the spring is spatial ecology so Long story short, the use of habitat by those brook trout across seasons. And we're studying that in both the credit mainstem and uh, the west credit. So acoustic telemetry is the technique we're using and acoustic telemetry, you know, in this case means implanting, um, in a number of fish acoustic tags. So ones that emit a signal in this case, every 15 seconds, um, and we surgically implant those in those fish. And then we have at- where in the belly, right? Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. So it's a very, very basic surgery. Basically you make a small incision, you pop this tag in and you sew it up and that fish swims around with that thing. And it pings, like I said, every 15 seconds. And we have what are called acoustic receivers that pick up that signal placed throughout the river at sort of checkpoints where you know if a fish travels through there and it's close enough to the acoustic receiver and you know that thing happens like I said every 15 seconds we pick it up and then we can see how they move around and use the stream habitat across seasons so So the receivers
2: are in this like the receivers are in the stream bank
1: yeah so they're they're down on the bottom weighted down with uh sandbags hidden Mm -hmm. away under logs and things like that um yeah, it, you look for pools basically because the more of a deep, quiet pool you have, the bigger your sort of uh, detection area is and the more yeah. reliably I think we'll be able to detect those fish. And then, yeah, based on where you pick them up across the season, um, you can sort of put together a, a picture of, you know, what they're doing all year round. So how do small the pings are these receivers? Emit? Because it oh.
0: oh, sorry, I was just going to ask, do the pings emit sound at all? like yeah
1: so it's acoustic it's not something that we can hear people these okay i was gonna
0: say like people will be going down to the river like bing 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 (laughs) you know looking for (laughs) these trout and there's beeping all over the place yeah (laughs) it's not something
1: uh, i know there are acoustic tags where you can actually if you put them up close to your ear hear sort of a tick it's more of a ticking sound and each tag probably has you know a, a unique enough sound that we can distinguish one tag from the next
3: yeah right on
0: Wow, it's cool. Sorry, Yelma, I cut you off. I don't know what you were no, say. No, I like there.
3: that. Quest. That was a good question. I like that one. No, I was just seeing how small how small they are because you know the brookies. Obviously, they need to fit into yeah. their little yeah. belly. So,
1: yeah, the tags are. I guess they're they're about the size of your pinky nail. I would say. Oh Jesus! Um, these ones in it's particular, like they're, yeah. Yeah, they're <laughs> small. They. Right. It's hard to describe. They're they're sort of ice cream cone shaped, mm-hmm. um, and they weigh these ones, I believe 1.1 grams, um, you have to make sure one of the things you have to make sure early is that you're not going to be burdening the fish, overburdening them with the tag itself and affecting their movement. So we determined based on the weight of the tag, um, and you know, the, electrofishing data that we had prior to the study on those fish that 14 centimeters would be a good minimum size mm-hmm. so anything oh, okay. we electrofished over 14 centimeters got a tag and is yeah. presumably still swimming around the credit yeah, okay. so you
2: tag the fish you um you know start beginning to aggregate data what is that data telling you or what do you hope to uh what do you hope uh, how do i put this what do you hope the data reveals to you like what do you what is that what are you aggregating that data for
1: mm-hmm So it's pretty exploratory in this case, I don't have a lot of specific hypotheses I want to test. Um, basically I want to see how they use the stream habitat across seasons. Um, you know, what's really important for them, for example, in the peak of summer, I think that's the most interesting period. Um, that's sort of that environmental limiting factor, I think to brook trout in the region is increasingly becoming, you know, summer and the most stressful period therein. And so, you know example of a question i'd really like to answer is where do these fish go in the summer um, how do they respond and how do they move in relation to extreme heat waves mm-hmm. uh, events like that and then you know that can also be applied to the winter right because as things warm up um yeah we're concerned about summer and when it gets really hot but they also these fish have evolved you know specific overwintering behaviors and mm-hmm when we have milder winters and we have thaws in February, as opposed to March, you know, that's hypothetically going to disrupt that, that Mm -hmm. behavior too. So getting in there while we can still sort of understand at least in part how these fish behave, you know, when things Mm -hmm. are sort of good for them, I think gives us a clue about what might happen as, you know, winters become warmer and, you know, we have blowouts in the winter that we didn't used to have, or, how things are gonna work in summer when, you know, we have heat waves that are, you know, more severe and more frequent than in the past.
2: Ah, okay. And so is that what, I guess, is that what kind of socioecology means? Like how the fish behave with one another or like, cause if I'm looking at your right. your focus, it says socioecology of freshwater fisheries, or is that how we interact with freshwater yeah. fisheries?
1: You right. got it with the second one. Socioecology right. has to do with, you know, a socioecological system which Oh man. Know, I was really it hoping it'd history. be about
0: fish friends. I was really hoping it'd be about <laughs> the, the buddy relationships between rookies. <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, funny I enough, love that. Uh, yeah, there one of the papers on credit brook trout that, that is out there was done in I think nineteen eighty seven. Um and it yeah. has to do with their habitat use in winter and uh uh, one of the main findings is how gregarious they are in winter and how much they'll group up and hang out together. And, oh, that's fun. Oh, nice. Social, yeah. So. Interesting. Yeah, <laughs> a party
2: in the winter.
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> okay, so <laughs> oh, that's, that's cool. cool. <laughs> so you're aggregating data. You see how they move around and, and see if, you know, our change, obviously climate change and how that affects, you know, blowouts early. And then the second phase of your study is, because you said there are two components, the second component right. being...
1: Yeah. The second component has to do with physiology. So this is the health of the fish. Um, in particular, like in this case, in relation to stressors, um, Hmm. the two big ones for me are exhaustive exercise, um, AKA angling, but you could also count predator evasion as, you know,
2: Mm.
1: a stressor that would cause exhaustion, physical exhaustion. And then the really big one is thermal stress. So, uh, for obvious right. reasons, this is something we're all really interested in. Fly fishers, you know, this is intuitive because, you know, when the water gets too hot, you don't go out and fish. Mm-hmm. So we all understand that thermal stress is relevant. Anglic stress is relevant. But what's really relevant is the interaction of stressors like this. And so that's, you know, even if fly fishers don't use this these exact terms, they understand that, you know, interacting those stressors with each other can have, you know, uh, particularly severe effect. So... Mm -hmm. I've sort of set up a study where I'll look at, you know, the interaction between those two stressors and compare it to other things like their baseline state when conditions are more optimal for them or, you know, what their health is like post-angling, post-capture when conditions are optimal versus what does that same thing look like when conditions are pretty suboptimal.
2: Right. That's cool. Because, you know, me fishing for a brook trout, when it's cold out, might not, you know, yeah, uh, might not be enough of a stressor to kill a fish. But when it's hot out and those two stressors combine, yeah, then, then that's a huge problem, right? Now. Yeah,
1: yeah, exactly. The effects are multiplicative, um, and mm-hmm. that's that's sort of the key.
0: One thing I did want to ask about the tags was because you mentioned just like last question about the last question about the tags. But um, you mentioned like uh, you mentioned these like you put them in the fish in like kind of a surgery, but it's not really surgery. And then you're you're actually able to like track the fish sort of like just using like cumulative data. You're not like tracking up each individual fish, right? Like it's not really like that.
1: Yeah. So it, it's it's different from. um what's called radio telemetry, which has been used more often in the past. radio telemetry, you actually actively go and you track the fish with, you know, an antenna. In this case, you know, we have these acoustic receivers that pick up the signal, and those are static. Those stay in the same place year-round. Right. And every time you get a ping on one, you can say, well, this fish was in this spot. And then you go and you, you know, at the end of the season, download the data from every receiver. And like I said, each one of those tags has a unique signature. And so you can, when you put it all together, you know, oh, get a big patch okay, at it. it.
0: Oh, okay. So, okay. So, two questions then. Just last two questions so is does the data um tell you if fish are dying? And two, do the tags, like, can the tags have any negative effect on the fish? Like, can they potentially, because I know brook trout are so sensitive. Do you find that the tags are super yeah. invasive, or is it like, no, not really? Like, we figured out the way to do it.
1: Yeah. The main risks with tag implantation would be obviously something going wrong in surgery. Uh, they're small fish, they're delicate. Yeah. So you go in there with a scalpel and if they, you know, if you're not careful and they squirm and you puncture their spleen, yeah. you know, that's, that's a work go wrong. Luckily we had none of those. Um, infection post, um, surgery is another risk. Um, I didn't worry too much about that because, you know, we keep things very sterile when we do the surgeries right. and another, real priority was doing those surgeries early in the season before water temperatures got up to a point where a fish could be immunocompromised and susceptible to you know parasites and all sorts of bugs for for reasons so those are the main risks i think the other one which we sort of mentioned earlier was them being overburdened by the tags themselves Um, and the way we you know mitigate or avoid that is to just set a minimum size which in our case was 14 centimeters and uh make sure that we're not you know putting a big giant tag in a tiny yeah. fish that yeah. can barely you know yeah. okay so how long
3: do the tags stay in for or how long do you until or do you take them <laughs> the out we're so they obsessed, they fall obsessed with up? the
0: tags <laughs> just we're like, what are the tags? tags can i have a tag <laughs> andrew's
2: like, like i like do yeah, i get over the, like, tags? <laughs> the tags <laughs> andrew you know
3: when you know when some of us oh, no. you, you know there's like the chips that we put in our hands now that open up doors and like all that stuff so like and and yeah. our body what? tends to like become naturalized with your hand you was have it?
2: a chip in your hand that opens your door?
3: <laughs> <laughs> I do. Whoa, cyborg no, I man. I don't like. know what yeah. it Cyborg um, Yoma. Yeah, and our body becomes like sort of one with this, you know, almost like a singular thing. So does that does that happen with the fish? Or yeah. does, do, do you take, is it temporary tags? I'm sorry about all the tag questions. This is so interesting.
1: <laughs> yeah. So it is cool. It is cool. I don't know. I'm, I'm
3: happy to answer
1: it. Uh, so the tags, so uh, we won't retrieve them. Right. We have no way really yeah. to retrieve them other than going and electrofishing the stream till we found oh, yeah. every last fish with a tag, which we, we'd probably never, you know, might never happen. Um, in all likeliness, some have been lost to predation <laughs> already just naturally, right? So those fish, you know, if, if that's the case, are no longer in the study. But the tags themselves last mm. sixty-five days. Um, these ones in particular, the duration depends a little bit on the tag size, right? Because a bigger tag... You can have more power, and you can, you know, like there's some of my colleagues are doing uh, telemetry research on muskie, and a muskie can obviously carry a big tag, wow. and some of those tags wow. last nine years. Um, in this case, they're brook trout, know, and we want them to ping every 15 seconds. Right, 465 is what we get out of them.
0: Wow. Okay. Um, okay. I swear this is the last tag question. I swear this is the last tag question. What color is okay. it? How many <laughs> fish did you tag? I think you said it earlier. Right? <laughs> I missed it. I missed it. How, how many, how many did you guys actually do the surgery on? So we had 65 tags. We put uh,
1: 33 right. in fish, the main stem and 32 in the West credit.
2: Okay. Very cool. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Okay. okay. Everybody's okay. Good cool. with the tag yeah. questions. We're all, <laughs> we're all tagged out <laughs> tags are good. I'm good. Okay. Yeah, so you've got, it all you've, out. you know, uh, I guess so you could say, you know, um, what are the, you know, you, 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 you perform the study over how many years?
1: Uh, So, like I said, the tags last 465 and then it's a matter of how long does it take to take that data, process Mm -hmm. it and write something up. But I would say roughly, probably something like two and a half years for the entirety of it. But I'm just finishing up data collection on the physiology portion, which I'd like to start analyzing um, this September. So. It's, it's 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 new ground for me oh wow okay. i've never awesome. done genetic analyses like this or you know, anything like mm-hmm. that i'm hoping that by the end of this year i can have you know some early results for that and uh i'd also like to download some of that telemetry data at the end of this summer and just look at the summer period itself but in the end of you know the really interesting thing will be telemetry data at the end of the 465 day period where we have a year and change to look at you know what the remaining fish did for the entire period
2: cool Very cool. um the hypothesis is on the edge can you explain that a little bit
1: right <laughs> yeah so brook trout i think are a very prime example of an sort of on the edge species um here in southern ontario at least says you know because of climate impacts and development um exploitation that comes with having large populations nearby mm-hmm. these brook trout exist at you know the confluence of all the major stressors all the things that affect brook trout and we sort of convene here and you know we've lost populations of brook trout in the region to exactly that so um the fact that they're sort of at the southern end of their species range and they're faced with all of these other you know more acute impacts from anglers um <laughs> but more you know land use this is the bigger one um these fish are on the edge in that sense where as things you know become worse for freshwater fish in the region these are going to be some of the first ones to tell us right. you know what's going on right like sadly enough they're they're some of the first to go right like we're not going to lose smallmouth bass in southern ontario in <laughs> but we're at risk of losing brook trout if things go in a particularly negative right. direction yeah exactly
0: yeah yeah it's very sad so yeah, what are you right hoping here. for what what are you hoping for your work to kind of inform and what are you hoping the outcome of it all to be like save the brook trout i'm, I'm assuming
1: yeah well i think understanding more about brook trout can only help us conserve them i think uh well put. one of the things that i find sort of bothersome you know anytime i think about it is the fact that our capacity in the resources that are available for conservation and fisheries management are just so limited um, for both legitimate reasons and you know reasons that I would sort of consider legitimate but mm-hmm. the fact is we don't have much to work with and so the more we understand the better we can use what resources we have and the better we can spend our time and effort trying to conserve brook trout and yeah I think there's all sorts of things that can happen you don't really know until you get the results but Providing managers with a better understanding, for example, of stream brook trout can help them, you know, tailor what they're doing potentially um, to better conserve brook trout and to regulate more effectively. Because, you know, the Ministry of Natural Resources, this is no knock on them. You know, it's very hard for them to go in, in addition to all their other responsibilities, take a look at stream brook trout in the credit river, Mm -hmm. let alone all the subpopulations of stream brook trout in the upper credit, right? Like, it's just such a tall task and any way you can support by improving the understanding of it or collecting data that otherwise wouldn't be collected I think gives us an opportunity to understand what's going on with the trout better and to optimize our conservation and management strategies based on that
0: mm-hmm. yeah no that makes t- that makes tons of sense and I mean like you say like arming ar- arming ourselves with Pertinent information that we can use as arguments against, you know, like uh, the the people that are maybe um, not—they don't have the the river uh, interests in mind, you know. Like if we could go back to them with data that says this is what we need to yeah. do, that's great, you know. Because I mean, otherwise it's sort of just like we like trout, you know. <laughs> don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: One thing I, yeah, one another thing that might be worth mentioning, I guess, is so that the physiological component mm-hmm. of the study. Um, involved uh, genomic work. So it's funded by, well, the project that this is part of, the big project that this is sort of situated within is uh, funded by Genome Canada. And um, a lot of the interest, it's the GenFish project, in case anyone wants to look it up, uh, gen-fish. Um, and it'll turn it up on Google. But a lot of their interest is in creating tools that will help us rapidly assess the health that up and the presence of stressors in populations of brook trout and all oh. sorts of other freshwater fish so um, i guess one of the really exciting things about going in and doing work on brook trout is contributing to the development of tools that will allow us hypothetically to go into streams you know like the credit or other water bodies and even other species um you know similar or maybe even dissimilar to brook trout in by going in and say mm-hmm. taking a non-lethal tissue sample from a certain number of individuals in that population go into a laboratory and then determine with high precision and you know a high amount of detail how are those fish doing because you know we're for good reason more interested in sublethal impacts and sort of long-term chronic stress and uh it's hard to study that i think is one of the issues um it's costly it's not efficient and there's just not a lot Ways to do it, but I'm excited, and I hope that some of my work will contribute to the development of tools that allow us to go in and get that info that we just don't get these days. But technological change is making, well, it's bringing it within reach. it's accurate.
0: Yeah, that's wild. That's wild. Like that kind of um, text unlocking, that kind of potential, like opportunity for us. It's super cool. Um, are you hopeful for like the brook trout population in the, in the credit? Like uh what do you like what do you i mean i don't want to put you on the spot for like a negative answer but you know i mean how do you feel about the state of brook trout and where things are going in the credit
1: uh yeah i i think i'm like pretty much everyone where i'm i'm pretty concerned um yeah the whole whole, the scenario the on the edge scenario is super concerning and i don't think it's in any way controversial say that um i do find the fish are more resilient and robust than we often give them credit for i think anglers um, um, err on the side of caution Mm -hmm. when it comes to say handling trout and that's good i I think it should continue but you you mentioned earlier you know the fragility of the fish and going in and doing surgeries and that was one of the scariest things going in and doing the first few surgeries like you know is this going to go greater am i going to kill the first three fish and have to rethink this entire project right but you find out uh doing that sort of how robust and resilient those fish can be it's it's impressive um that being said they have their limits if the water temperatures in that river stay above 24 degrees celsius for prolonged periods because you know the habitat deteriorates and the climate's changing there's not anything they're going to be able to do to you know really maintain themselves um they're ectotherms, the, like all freshwater fish, are pretty much all freshwater fish. So they can't thermoregulate physiologically like we can. They have to find cool water. That's their only option. They have to thermoregulate behaviorally. So that's a huge limiting factor for freshwater fish, right? And if you think about a, a brook trout in a stream, it's, it's nothing like a marine fish that can go and find cool water virtually anywhere, anytime, yeah. right? um brook trout have to stay in that even if they you know if they can't find the cool water that they need to survive and remain healthy and you know reproductive for example um there's nothing really for them to do so it's worrisome but i think you know if we give them the chance to provide them what they need to survive they'll do it i guess
0: right and so i mean that's like i mean you obviously mentioned climate change which is like i think the bigger thing that we know is happening and. That's like, well, that's, you know, a huge thing we've got to figure out. Apart from that, though, like, are there things we can do to the credit to ensure the brick trout are okay for as long as possible? Like, what can be done?
1: Yeah, I think uh, the best thing you can do at a local scale seems to be going in and, you know, making the stream habitat as high quality as you can. And, uh, you know, Trout Unlimited does a ton of work a ton of extremely high quality work on that specifically uh i'm sure we're all aware of it you go to the upper credit and you see all sorts of evidence tree planting and uh installing shoreline structures things like that so at a local scale that that's a huge thing anglers obviously you know can have a big impact if anglers are going in and handling fish irresponsibly fishing in hot temperatures their impact on the fishery is going to be you know Mm -hmm. probably significant Mm -hmm. Um, but I think generally speaking, fly fishers and other anglers who are conservation, you know, who are, I guess, have a good conservation initiative are pretty good yeah. about that. But yeah. At a local scale, you sort of just do those things. And then uh, the the whole, you know, the, the problem with climate is it's just a, a global yeah. issue that yeah, Trout Unlimited Canada, as good as the work they do, is... Yeah. Um, None of us have you know much ability to impact
0: it's a band-aid i suppose right like s- stream restoration and stuff like that sort of uh yeah it's the only like you say the only thing we can do right now and like trying to trying to take you know as best care as we can of the river as possible is like yeah and i mean that's i guess how people can get involved is they can go do these things and, and actually have a positive impact for for yeah. you know at least prolonging the yeah
1: yeah i see it as yeah exactly like you said giving them the best Mm -hmm. chance to withstand the other things control as much yeah and then developing responsibly which is you know i sort of hesitate to mention that one because that's you know not really within our control but um public i guess at a large scale and over a long period of time can influence how we develop these areas and there's a good way to do it for sure you sort of can have your cake and eat it too it just depends on you know how much Mm -hmm. cake you want i guess um if you develop responsibly
0: (laughs) like to your point andrew like we're getting to that point where it's like we kind of have to Mm -hmm. develop responsibly or everyone's gonna die and it's like let's just hope that we can figure that out before the credit is like completely torqued you know because it's like it's inevitable it has to be inevitable right like figuring out this balance of you know, like, responsible development and making sure things are, people are still, they can still have their sprawl and, like, have good lives, but, like, making sure that it doesn't, like, just destroy the earth.
3: Yeah. I,
0: I yeah. Totally We're agree. so
3: reactive. For once, it'd be good to be preventative.
1: Yeah, 100%. Yeah,
0: yeah. yeah it's, just,
1: it's just sort of unstoppable force development, and I think the,
3: mm-hmm.
1: you know, I, I don't know this, you know, for sure, obviously, but uh, it seems like the best strategy in this case is to sort of try and influence it and
0: uh no i feel yeah i know that's like constantly like been our struggle too is like and ever and you know what like speaking directly about the west credit like that's been um obviously the fight right it's like there's there's development going on in aaron um and it's like people are like listen we gotta we gotta either like not do this or do it right you know because if we don't do it right yeah it sucks like why would you want to why would you want to destroy this this like you say the credit it's like one of the last remaining you know uh, incredible trips flows into the uh the great the great yeah. lake of ontario and we've got to protect it you know so yeah i mean thanks for doing this work because it's obviously like it's a big deal to be able to like actually understand what's going on and 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 understand the lives of these fish and this yeah. ecosystem that you know i mean as sad as it is might be you know in turmoil well it is in turmoil um i just hope it's not like a remember when story that we all
2: you know know about (laughs) you know and then yeah start talking to you know new new anglers when they're 20 and we're all in our 60s remember when you ah when there's brook trout in the in that credit know. river we're gonna be it's, those uh, anglers Yes, yeah. people, people be like yeah okay there was old man. In the credit
0: river back in my day you should have seen it yeah. you know and then like, and then the 20 year olds are like yeah and they're like well maybe you shouldn't have fished <laughs> yeah for them.
2: whatever yeah i did it on my radio show it was called a podcast yeah. <laughs> it was amazing <laughs> my god get, get away, away from, from me, me. <laughs> what the hell's a podcast yeah. um yeah i have a fun question yes uh, what's the most surprising thing you've learned while tracking the brook trout was there something was there a moment where like wow i had no idea that brook trout did or i had no idea that they lived or i had no idea that brook trout x could grow hair (laughs) What? (laughs) oh
0: little mohawks
3: (laughs) mitch yeah
1: i guess there's not so many like big revelations, I don't think there's, there's just cool stuff that happens. Like, for example, when you go in an electro fish, you mm-hmm. you know, you stick an anode in just about anywhere, and it, it's cool to see what kind of water a brook turtle pop out of, stuff so right. That you wouldn't cast to, um, or in a lot of cases, stuff that you would cast to. I guess you're an angler, you, you develop a pretty good sense of, oh, that's got to have a fish in it, right? Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, there was one there was one case where I, I, you know, just on a whim stuck the anode in an electro this little pile of sticks on the side of the river that didn't look particularly fishy and one of the bigger brook trout i saw and i of just squirted right out of it immediately and you know it's it's just not something i would ever pass to so stuff like that happens which is cool yeah um we captured huh. fish that we tagged which was cool um you know, you get one in the net, you think, awesome, we're going to do the surgery. Like, here's another tagged fish, and then you flip it over, and you see the there, and you're like, oh, no, we got this cool. one already. Um, yeah. That's
0: cool. Already wow. There. I mean, that shows you that the catch and release and the surgery and everything works. you know. Yeah, like- yeah
1: that was nice to see. Uh, I saw an angler recapture one of our fish one time, which yeah. it was about three weeks after it was tagged. Um, assuming it's the one of the fish I thought it must have been, and it was doing well. So that's nice to see um you That's find awesome. out how big the brook trout in the area are you know, right which there are you know nice big brook trout in the upper credit. uh yeah it's stuff like that no no major revelations but we'll see what happens when we download some data hey small wins i love it yeah
2: i love yeah. it That's yeah awesome. i'm
0: excited to hear about the data i'm like what what you learn it's gonna be really cool um Okay, well, we do uh, uh segment Mitchie's Fishies 5 at the end of every show where we ask every guest the same five Whoa, questions. Oh were, yeah. we're there already? We're there already, Yilma. yeah. yeah man, it's Tom been f- almost an hour. Time flies when you're having fun. Fishy fun.
3: Oh. Hey, hey, Andrew. Time flies wow. when you're having fun. <laughs>
0: hey. Okay, that's cool.
2: Yeah. Um, <laughs> very interesting. Yilma Campbell, everybody. Yilma Campbell. Yelma Campbell. He'll be uh, here all week. Oh.
0: Again, Yelma, huh? why, why don't you go sneeze again, Yolma? Try the
2: veal. Try the veal. He'll be here all week.
0: <laughs> I
2: can't
3: believe I sneezed um, at this. I mean, I really pressed that button. Okay, sorry. Go okay. ahead.
0: It's all good, man. So I believe you. Okay, so the number one, the number one, the first question at Midgets Fishies 5 is what is your favorite fish and why? It's got to be brook right? <laughs> Can you imagine? Carp. It's like, what the hell? <laughs> yeah,
1: it's like picking a favorite kid. I, I guess uh, I almost have to say brook now, but. Uh, I guess a more truthful answer would be Steelhead, oh. Steelhead, um, I've spent more time fishing for Steelhead, but uh, yeah, I, you know, it's, it's kind of weird to say that, I guess, and have done basically all your Steelhead fishing in the Great Lakes, but if I had to pick one, I guess maybe that would be the one, but, uh, yeah. again, it's like picking your favorite kid, right? Like, I don't think any of us can, um... <laughs> I don't know, do you guys have a clear cut
2: favorite and,
0: I think we all have at one point said, you know, favorites, um, yeah, I get it. You know, but I mean, I hear you. I mean, like we just like catch a fish, right? Like they're all great
2: in different ways. Right. Yeah. 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 Right. I could yeah. confidently say bone fish. If oh, we're going right. to say saltwater fish, like easy, okay. easy front runner. And that's more to do with like just chilling out Beautiful. and walking a flat. And there's just something right. about that. That's, that's nice. But then it's harder with freshwater fish because, you know, um, even this year when we went, Mm -hmm. you know, we were lucky enough to go to Lodge 88 and, um, uh, you know, they have brook trout fishing and pike fishing. And we went half a day brook trout fishing and we were like, do you guys want to go catch some pike? You know, because it's like you forget how fun, you know, certain species is or something. And, you know, and and then every time this time of year comes around, um, you know, I'm always like, "Eh, I guess I'll go bass fishing. And then the first time one hits a popper yeah. i'm like you're right back in you know like so it's a good point it's hard to yeah. really yeah. hard to pinpoint i will say one thing though i i hope there's a day where great lake steelhead anglers ha- stop apologizing for liking that totally fish. like there's this stigma that it's like this this like it's yeah. it's, it's lesser than it's not steelhead, the west coast man. fish and it's like like i need everybody to realize that the fish didn't put themselves there <laughs> somebody else put them there like humans put them there and then then they adapted and evolved yeah. and and a Are lot of like steelhead's you know, an awesome roots. answer
0: it's an awesome answer yeah like, they're such I, I, a fun you know fish. like
2: wear, wear that badge with pride like I, I, they're an oh, amazing yeah. fish if you have a problem catching eight pound rainbows um you know that have evolved from a, a strain of steelhead from the west coast then i don't know you're yeah. no fun to me see you on the river never <laughs> you know what? like i'm over it i'm over this i'm over this i'm over this like it devalues the fish it, it i think these yeah. fish are amazing like yeah. what, a, what an amazing fish you know especially the ones around our our home waters they're not stocked you know these are naturalized fish so yeah. like what a what a, what a great yeah. su- success story
0: so poetic aldo the fall fishing you know fishing these like rivers yeah. here in southern Ontario in the fall like it's the best it's such a vibe you know I love it like, such yeah. a cool I'm a Great Lakes steelheader and
2: I'm pissed off <laughs>
0: <laughs> I love it man <laughs> great answer man Steelhead's a great answer Andrew it's an awesome answer um okay number two number two if you could fish anywhere in the world right now assuming it's the best time of year to go where would you go and why
3: <laughs> why <laughs> I think I would go sorry <laughs> there's a bunch of west coast
2: son of a bitch <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah well I, you know it's, it really contradicts uh, i'm just kidding i'm kidding, I'm kidding it is beautiful out there too <laughs> yeah i i would love to go out and do some genuine pacific steelheading for a big summer on fish um probably somewhere on vancouver island um i guess nice. you know right time of year uh like i guess i i would also have to ask the caveat, like in addition to it being the best time of year, that the run has to be in good shape because yeah. that's
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah.
1: A lot of those runs aren't doing so hot, but I would love to go fish one of those runs when it's you know in a good year
0: in good conditions. Yeah, yeah that's great. That's a great answer. I mean, I totally feel you. Out west for for steelhead would be wicked. It'd be awesome. Um, I love it. Okay, number three is yeah. what is your best or favorite fishing memory? One of your best fishing memories ever it's a big oh, one that's tough that's tough there's so many that's over
1: the small years huh? yeah i can throw in a recent one which i'm sure will stay yeah. with me a while but it's fresh in memory um i yeah. was fishing in the ottawa river right by my place nice. in gatineau uh that's where i live i'm actually across the bridge um but i'm able to yeah. you know within five minutes go and chuck my little inflatable boat in the ottawa river you know as it happens that's a good little spot to fish pike musky walleye there's a whole bunch of stuff down there and to give you some background i'm having an awful year musky wise Uh, i've caught a few fish but i've had a ton of just dead outings i guess as often happens with musky and uh yeah i was on probably close to a month-long drought went out you know hoping to maybe end that and uh, fished one of the better spots very thoroughly and was getting ready to leave. Um, And, you know, I'll cast my full line out Mm -hmm. and then just reel it in to get my fly back on the reel at the end of it. And the classic, you know, mistake you make musky fishing is not figurating with commitment, in which case, you know, I'd cast this one spot a million times, but something about the burning, the fly in retrieve, you know, while you're getting it back on your reel, I guess, got one fish go and I put my rod down beside me in the boat. Um, you know, after burning it back in on the surface, like you know, some sort of weird topwater lure. And as I put the rod down in the boat, I stood up and I started to pull my anchor. And probably a forty-five-ish inch fish just smashed the fly on the surface with my rod oh, sitting wow. on the bottom of the boat and just picked a it up. Big fish, man! That's a big it, fish. The, they will the do most, that. You know, the crappiest hook set in. Yeah, I blew the only chance
0: I had in a month. You know, <laughs> that's a hey, that's the way it goes. Everyone's blown it. Everyone's blown it. That's the way it goes. At least you connected with a musky. Like, geez, man. Like, uh,
2: Yeah. It, like, you fish long enough, you know, you yeah, tend it was to blow a big it. Fish. Uh,
0: yeah, I <laughs> yeah, blew it. Yeah, <laughs> that's true.
2: Yeah. Um, I love it. Uh, but it's, I will yeah. say, uh, you know, not a whole lot of those answers come from the Ottawa River. Yeah. So, me personally, I like that story a lot. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's true. <laughs> 100%. You know, Super that's cool, definitely is that's that's funny to hear for me because you know a lot of my a lot of my earliest memories are on pretty much where you're describing. So that's that's yeah. cool. It's cool.
0: <laughs> okay, number four, which is fishes five, is why do you fly fish? What do you get out of fly fishing?
2: Uh,
1: it's just fun at a basic level. Um, there's also other things I enjoy as a byproduct of just wanting to go out and have fun. But I think it would kind of be dishonest for me to say. I go out for any other reason than I want to have fun and play like a little kid, I guess, do the adult version of that. But uh, there's just so much other stuff that comes with it as I'm sure you guys have found that you go out in search of fun and then all of a sudden you learn, um, you develop a connection to wherever you're fishing. Uh, Yeah, there's there's just so much that goes along with it. You relax. um, Yeah, all of those things.
0: I love it, man. I love it. Yeah, fun is the fun is the best answer. I think that's, like, the number one answer of why you should fly fish. It's super fun. I feel you. Yeah, I feel it like. was,
1: a, I don't know if you guys watched or remembered it, but there was, a, I think it was Drift was the first film in the Confluence film series. Or it was one of those in that series where he opens up uh, the narrator talking about, you know, how kids and fly fishers have something in common and that's wanting to just
0: have... Yeah
1: as much fun as possible as often yeah. as possible. <laughs> and <I'd> like, <laughs> i like, but couldn't agree more with that. It's it's really like a, a youthful thing, I think. It's
0: awesome, it's totally. And it's like, what better reason to do anything than just fun, you know I mean? That's what life is, just go have fun. Yeah, yeah I love it, yeah. I love it, man. Okay, yeah. number five of Mitch's Fish's Five is, what fly pattern represents you best and why? If you were a fly, what would you be?
1: I forgot you asked this one. I should
0: have...
2: <laughs> I have no, hey, no idea. I,
1: like, I'm, I'm tempted to give answers that I've heard given a lot of times. Like, I kind of I kind of consider myself a generalist, so it's, yeah. it's tempting to say woolly bugger, but uh, it just seems too unoriginal, so maybe for no particularly good reason, I'll go with a Buford.
2: Oh, that Buford. is a beefy uh, fly. There
1: we go. Yeah, wow. you're more... Of- yeah. Yeah, I guess.
2: Big, beefy musky fly. Yeah, big, beefy
1: fly, man. I don't know. I that's get, cool. I, like I guess the way I fish is kind of like, yeah, like, I, I don't know. That's just a fly that's fresh in mind, and I think I take a kind yeah. of an active approach to a lot of things I do, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> on the trout stream. That means spooking fish sometimes and mm-hmm. trampling through the water because you're too excited. Um, but it works out well if you're on... You know, a lake with musky in it. So, yeah, Buford's my answer. <laughs> I have a few of those. Yeah. I love that.
0: I love that one. Is a specific color color pattern, or is it like because mm. there's different oh, colors yeah. and efforts, right? Like,
1: yeah, yeah. I, oh, that's a good question. Now, maybe all black,
0: just because that's the one I fish. Nice. Moke. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. That's cool. It's a slick fly. It's cool.
2: I have a pink and white one that's done pretty well for pike, but never a musky. But
1: right, yeah. pink is a color I got to put in my box. I see too many instagram photos of musky with pink flies hanging out of their mouth and i don't have any so there you go yeah i have
0: to add that yeah that's awesome i love that answer we've never had that answer before and i like the uh, the reasoning behind it that's super cool man i dig I dig I dig.
2: A dig. A dig. Okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> we're digging
0: well andrew man i mean that's uh that's pretty much the show dude and like honestly that was uh that was awesome getting to hear more about mm-hmm. i mean we we learned a lot about tags um <laughs> and, uh, you know, that's just because we're very interested in them, but the whole, everything you're doing is really cool. And I'm super stoked to learn about the data that comes out. Um, where, where can people like find, you know, stuff, find your work, find, you know, things to follow along with, um, if people want to, you know, where, where can they go?
1: Um, a good place to go would be either the lab websites that I mentioned earlier. Um, I hope I don't forget them, but a Google search, will turn them up. If you just Google the fish ecology and conservation physiology lab um yep. that'll you'll you'll eventually come across the cook lab webpage, where you can look at publications um and then the socio-ecological research and applications collaborative a google search of that will turn up the nguyen labs so oh, well, sweet that's two good places to go to okay cool and then i'll i'll you know i'll make sure that uh when those results are available i'll you yeah know, get in contact with you maybe directly and send you some
2: yeah, please do. I think we'll put all that in our show notes as well. So if uh, people listening or watching this on YouTube, you know, if you go down to the ooh, comments section, um, those links will be be down there and uh, you can learn more and uh, probably do, do an even deeper dive than, than this podcast uh, did. And, uh, yeah, Andrew, thanks for coming on the show and, you know, thanks for your work. Do you have, like, an Instagram or something that people can follow that you want them to follow? Shameful plug time. You don't have to say time. yes. <laughs> Shame, exactly. Shameful plug time. Sure
1: it's at drew howarth so d-r-e-w-u-h-o-w-a-r-t-h um i'm hoping i can you know cool. post more research oriented stuff there in the next year so that works out nicely
0: wicked yeah sweet okay everybody go follow that we'll put in the show notes and, and the... then, yeah before i, I forget
1: yeah. yeah i was gonna say you know before i forget thanks so much for coming on oh. like uh like i said i've been oh. listening to the podcast since you guys started it and uh Oh man, love that! Uh, it, it, it's kind of surreal to be on it. It's cool. <laughs> Thanks so much for doing it. Like yeah. I owe you guys a ton of entertainment over the years.
0: Oh, get the heck out of here, man! That's so that's so sweet. Thank you for coming on. I mean, it was just nice to get to chat. And are you coming? On, are you coming to the party on Thursday or Nah? You got? Are you busy? Are you coming?
1: Coming, waiters. I'm planning to. Uh, it all depends on if I get the if I finish data collection on Thursday, which I'm hoping to. So. If I can finish it Thursday and come stop by,
2: yeah. The second we get you get in, we'll be like, and this guy's doing all the work to save him, and then a bunch of Everyone people will be like, will, yeah. No, no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh,
1: yeah, I love that. i do that credit.
2: <laughs> <laughs> That's great,
1: man. Yeah, I, I'd love to. So I, I hope I see you guys yeah. down there. Yeah, yeah man. Well, either you, way, you awesome. know, I'm sure
0: we'll get together on the river sometime. And Steelhead's coming, so let's let's go swinging. But uh, thanks so much for coming on, Andrew. It's great to great to chat. Yeah, thanks so much. Today's episode is brought to you in part by the one and only Gill's Fly Fishing International. Gill's Fly Fishing International provides the destination angler with the best personalized trip planning and booking experiences possible. And they run FFI Magazine, an online fly fishing magazine with articles from your favorite fly fishing writers. The magazine is filled with tips, trips, and tightline stories to get you jacked for your next adventure out on the water. Visit flyfishinginternational.com to learn more. That's flyfishinginternational.com or head to ffi-magazine.com to check out the magazine. That's ffi-magazine.com. Today's show is brought to you in part by Chums. Yes, Chums, the makers of fantastic outdoor gear for guides, dirt bags, river rats, and weekend warriors. Chums has been crafting exceptional products since 1983, most notably including their eyewear retainers, which is how they got their start. Many of Chums products are made in the USA and they're all designed with adventure in mind. Head to chums.com to explore a wide range of products including wallets, bags, phone dry cases, eyewear retainers, and all kinds of wicked stuff. Styles and much, much more. Every time we hit the water, Chums is right there with us in the form of amazing on-the-water gear, and of course, keeping our sunglasses from sinking to the murky depths of the waters we fish. Head to Chums.com to explore sweet stuff. Chums.com. Wow, that was a great show. That was a great show. That was a great show. It was really cool to talk to Andrew. I learned so much um, about tags. We did they learn a lot that about tags. We were just
2: let that go. <laughs> we were just really interested you know. in
0: like the process behind them. You know, I mean, it's like a relatively interesting thing. Um, tagging brook trout, little brook trout. I wonder if we've ever caught a brook trout up there that had a tag in it. Maybe. Maybe
2: next time, if it's 14 centimeters and above, flip it then over. It'll be take flip a, it t- over. Take a take a gander. Take a little. Take a gander. Touch take a gander. Touch of the take belly. Take a little. Oh, whoa, whoa. <laughs> Give a little hoinkie. <laughs> oh, and give it a little, <laughs> send it on its way.
0: <laughs> and send it on its way and see if that's one of the things. Well, that was really good. Yeah, it was cool. Um, well, I mean, by, the, by the time the show comes out, the party will be over.
2: Took the and words right out of my mouth. It'll
0: be over. I was just going to say, like, we'll just promote yep. the party, but it's over.
2: Yeah. Well, let's hope that the party is a success and Hopefully. that everybody had a good time. Yeah. And they enjoy the yeah, drinks fun. and won a bunch of awesome prizes, and then I think we'll do our next one in October when we're back from Smogme. Yeah, that's what I think.
0: I think so too. I think why not have a little fall shindig, you know? Like uh, once oh, once yeah. a season, you know, we do something, and I think that could be good.
2: Yeah, bring the maybe t- bring bring some tying nights back. Get some guest speakers. Bring some tying nights back. Yeah, that's a good idea. What do you think of that, Yelma? Yeah.
3: I think it's good, sorry. I'm just downloading his photo so I don't forget like I do every single time.
2: What you downloading over there?
3: Um, Andrew's Andrew's photos for the episode image.
2: Get the
0: heck yeah. out of here, are you serious you right go. now?
2: Get the, get the yeah, heck out of here. Yeah, I'm on time for Did one. Did you switch they to place? Bell Wi-Fi, Yelma, uh, or are you
0: still on Rogers? Well, well,
3: Bell Wi-Fi, well, firstly, I lied to you. Uh, secondly, Bell <laughs> Wi-Fi, Bell, Bell doesn't go to our uh, our building fortunately, so I stick with Raji.
2: You're building? <laughs> yeah.
0: Hmm. So you're still in Raji?
2: Yeah,
3: that's I'm still in Raji. Uh, Raj. Great, great download speed. Uh, upload is 25, unfortunately.
0: 25 megabytes?
2: Yeah. It's the internet show. It's
0: yeah. the internet show. Honestly, I can't figure this out. And you know what another thing has been bugging me about internet? Cell phone service. Have you noticed this? I get like two bars downtown Toronto, although we were talking about this.
2: Yeah, we, we were What's complaining about this. We've, I don't know, man. It's whack, is what it is. It's whack. But it's like you're a hundred bucks sh- a month and you get bad service in the shooting, middle of the city. When I was shooting at the, um, you know, at the Raptors games and stuff, like I was outside downtown. Yeah. How can you can you get more downtown than beside the CN Tower? <laughs> I don't think so. I don't and think so. It's. I don't think so. Bree's looking at me like, "What is this podcast even about anymore?" <laughs> and uh, <laughs> well, I can tell you, and, uh, people listening
0: are probably feeling very—if they're Canadian—they're probably feeling the exact same way. You know, it's yes. just crazy. Anyway,
2: Sand Tower is the biggest cell phone tower we got in, this, in this, these here parts, and I'm yeah. getting LTE and no bars. One hundred twenty bucks a month. Five. I have
3: three G. Yeah. No, I'm joking. I, I have I have five G.
2: If 5G. Great joke. I have LTE. Um, I'm
3: on
0: LTE all okay, the what time. Ha- okay, what else has been
2: happening? It's it's August. <laughs> what's, like, what's been happening? Yomo, we had a f- super fun float the other day. With speaking of co- speaking of our parties, yeah, uh, did you guys go out fr- with the Nog- Yeah, we went out with uh, Mauro. Yeah, he was the squirmy wormy derby champion from our from our southern Ontario Opener party. Yeah, and uh, you know, we had a f- super fun day. It was uh, we went out Matt Martin um. You know, brought brought the raft out and we floated uh, the Ottawa Saga, and caught some bass. Actually, caught, Yelma, yeah. you caught a really nice bass.
3: <laughs> well, firstly, Ca- you nice uh, you lost two pike that were.
2: Oh, buddy! That Mitch? was exciting, man! Huge what? fish <laughs> on his
3: on his butter stick.
2: <laughs> really, they were big. There was like this. Yeah. Oh, dude, there was this. So there was one one little run, you know, it was yeah. like a little back eddy, and <laughs> I knew I'm there the was something master. there. Yeah, there could not not be something yeah. there. And like little back eddy, the rain's just starting to drizzle. You know, I'm on the water master. Those guys are in, the, in Matt's raft. So I go out and I walk. And I put my popper in the corner with the little back yep. eddy because it's like, it's got to be a bass there. It hits the water. A pike comes up. Boom. Not that's, Nothing nothing too big, you know, but still yeah. super exciting. Cuts the line immediately. Mm. But I happen to have some wire bite on me. And remember, this is like a hammer handle kind of pike. So I'm, right. I'm on my five weight butter stick. So I'm like, oh, let's pop the wire bite on me that I just have so happened to have, mm-hmm. and see if this fish will come back because I can handle this fish on that rod, no problem. Mm-hmm. So I put the thing, like, yeah, 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 get back into the run. Three pops in, like, I cast right downstream and I'm working it back to me. It's like boom, 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 uh, like 30 plus inch pike, fucking, like, great white sharks out of the water for this po- this popper and i'm like on but oh, i'm on man. a 5 weight i'm on a 7 and what is an 8 foot 5 <laughs> this thing is like doubled over and i'm just like uh did you mention yeah. it was
3: the rio popper
2: oh it was a rio products popper <laughs> which rio popper was it i'll bring it oh, for you once Now i got to now i got to look up the name duck norris uh, no, not the duck. Oh, Norris. I, I, I know which one it is. I have I have some of these actually no, in my it's, box. It's they're pretty cool. They they displace yeah. a lot of water, which I really like. I think they were part um, of the have,
0: signature tire series, weren't they?
2: I have no idea. Rio's got that. the signature
0: tire series.
2: You know that's who should come up and do some tying at nights. Yeah, are those signature tires? That'd be kind of fun.
0: That would be super fun. Are you kidding me? Um, hold on. We're looking at their this, site um, right now. I am oh, looking sorry, at this. But... I'm
2: looking. Uh, yeah. the Rio PTO popper.
0: Nice, 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 nice. The Rio
2: PTO popper. Three three bloops in, bam. Big yeah. fish. And I'm like and at that point I'm like, well, I don't know if I'm trying to kind of just horse it in with my hand like I've got the line on my hand. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I'm just like but then it busted. Like the uh, the connection from the wire bite right. uh to the to the like leader to the to like the tw- to the twelve pound like um, butt section. just right, right, right. See ya. Yeah.
3: yeah, it was a good day. <laughs> but and it was really exciting, and then fucking the Yilma,
2: Yilma, you guys caught you guys. Yeah. we we got to one hole, anchored up, and just put an absolute hurt on them. It was great. Yeah, it was well, like fish after fish.
3: Yeah. Rad. Con- yeah. Well, I you know we were you know although it was it was it, my clumsiness kind of you know almost messed up the day. I, uh, I wasn't sitting when we were going down some like rapids and my foot wedged, uh, Matt Martin's, uh, rod brand new Reddington crux, uh, eight, uh, nine foot eight, uh, right in the middle. Not even in like the tip. I bought him a new one, so it's fine. But, like, I felt so bad. But then, like, two minutes after that, I'm just there, you know, not even paying attention. And I see this, like, little log jam, you know, two big logs in between each other. And I'm like, oh, eh. I'm just casting there. Casted my um, – oh, what was I using again?
2: You are using Scotty McFly, baby.
3: Yeah, Scotty. I was using Scotty McFly. How, how could I forget that? A little orange-white baby. And I just dropped it in there, a couple of twitches. And mm. a 21-inch uh, smallie just crushed it. And it was fat, too. Big oh, fish, it was beautiful.
0: Yeah. I mean, you can see that fish in the recent day tripping video on YouTube. So head over to our YouTube page and you can see that fish. And this whole day of fishing on uh, with Matt Martin and uh, and Squirmy Wormy Ty and Derby from Sotos, Maro. Uh, so go check it out. YouTube, SoFly. Yeah. yeah. Nice fish.
3: Also, uh, I took my nephew out for the first time. Went to Little Lake in Barry. Uh, nice. and Barrie. Little, Little Lake yeah. produces... Some really good fish, and you, I never not catch when I go to that little lake. And it's just uh, in front of Georgian College <laughs> there on the four hundred, and you can rent boats. That's uh, right up, off the highway. Yeah, right off the highway, and it's uh, cool. can rent, rent boats. boats. Yeah, rent boats. I didn't know that.
2: Yeah, yeah what I can boat do did pontunes. you rent?
3: Uh, I got a fifteen foot um, uh, Lund kind of like you know tinner kind of thing.
2: How much does it cost yeah. for the day?
3: Hundred bucks for the or full day. Center console. Uh no, at the back. Yeah, Tiller, yeah, Tiller,
2: Tiller. Tiller. hundred bucks for the day. That's that's not bad. So <laughs> you can rent a
0: boat. That's sick. Why have we not done this before,
3: dude? It's twelve yeah, hours. how come is you've the never day. invited? us? Seven. Well, Let's I don't go. know. Like, yeah, I don't know. It's been around since we were kids. Don't like just, us. That's not true. You and don't like us. And uh, yeah, I took him out, and uh, he he put he tied up his own Texas rig because he's spinning, and he tied it up yeah. himself. He, t- he took a cast, and <laughs> as soon as he got it in, he's like, whoa. And then he brought, he reeled it in and his line was cut. As soon as that, that, um, that jig hit the water, a huge pike just like snipped his line. And I'm Gone. like, it's pike better, line. better the line than him. Cause he would have been pulled in. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but he must've been stoked about that. Yeah, he even, was stoked. Even that.
3: Yeah, yeah. He was stoked. Uh, caught a bunch Did of, you catch bunch of fish. fish. Yeah. A bunch of fish. You could, you'll always catch like a bunch of pike and a bunch of largemouth at, at little lake. It is very good. Know, why, don't why don't we,
0: do we go do this? Let's go do this. Let's go What's rent the, boats. What
2: kind of so so you get fifty? You can get a fifteen foot Lund, but like, are there other boats you can like? You yeah, you can get a bassmaster kind of boat. Uh, pontoon boat. I
3: haven't seen any bassmaster. I mean,
2: that's fine with me. I love pontoon. What's boats. It's called yeah. Little Lake. Bonk. Yeah,
3: Little Lake. Get a pontoon boat. You can rent a. Uh, you can rent a picnic. Peterborough.
0: Table. <laughs> you can rent a
2: Peter Rent
3: a picnic. T- uh, no, no, Barry, Barry,
0: Barry, 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 Barry. Barry.
3: Yeah. Um, you oh, can rent uh, canoes Mitch you can bring your kayak out there And just fish there's lily pads oh, yeah, that good There's game.
0: little channels I'm gonna rent a pontoon boat and are. cruise all day Guys are you kidding me it's Boat just rentals is day. And everybody's super <laughs> nice out there Cruise everybody's all super day nice.
2: bro. I'm, cru-
0: I'm gonna cruise all day 170 bucks for the day to rent a pontoon boat Oh man look at these things These
2: things are wild Yo yeah. bro I'm gonna I'm gonna
0: go Cruise, cruise all, all day, day. Look at these things. They're like <laughs> wooden rafts. I think they built them themselves. Oh my God. This looks, we should go rent four it's and have fun. a competition.
2: Yeah. And race.
0: Yeah. And race them. Yeah, absolutely.
2: With our thoughts. Um, yeah. uh, so that's cool. That sounds like a really nice day, actually. And then yeah. I was awesome in Tamagami with Bree, the love of my life. And uh, we we went to some backcountry camping gorgeous escape the heat for more different types of heat <laughs> it was yeah. hot it was hot up north it was just as hot it was crazy but you know caught some bass it was a good time yeah the summer of bass everybody
3: summer of bass that's for sure yeah i can't wait to see those pics from little uh blueberry we went to blueberry right
2: no no we oh. went to uh wasaxina, wasaxina yeah cool wasaxina. yeah yeah that's pretty much that's the that's the so fly update, right there. Hopefully how many that, horsepower you know, on that boat, Yama? <laughs> oh, <okay. laughs> he's still on.
0: uh I can't. I can't remember. And can you
2: tag the boat? I'm just wondering. Is the boat? Yeah, how many tags can you fit? How big the is the tag? And how <laughs> yeah. is it? How long the is it? The tags long? don't hurt
0: the yeah. boats, right?
2: <laughs> <laughs> the boats What are color kind? are the tags?
0: Uh, <laughs> oh, boys! All right. Well, that was a good show. And Andrew, thank you so much for coming on. And um, Let's have fun on Thursday. I mean, if we're listening to this, we'll know if we had fun or not, but I can't imagine we're not going to have fun. I mean, it's always a good time, so. Um, I mean, Yoma and I are
2: bartending, so that's going to be hilarious.
0: Yeah. I'm going to – I can't Listen wait to, to our have Yoma sh- bartend for me.
2: Listen to our next show to recap how well we did bartending for everybody.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'll just get yeah. the beers. It just means we
2: get to – it just means, you know, we get to donate more money to the Credit River. That's why we're bartending. That's
0: it. Although yeah. I will – uh
2: that you know how be, to open beers. You can open a beer.
0: I can. Can open a beer, man.
2: I make the cocktails. Hey, can, you open the beers. Perfect. I can open
0: a beer once in a while too, because I've got my smart serve. I am smart.
2: Oh my god, to we're just all gonna bartend. Let's all
0: bartend. Can I bartend too? I'll make. A, I'll just. I'll just be on Negronis. That's what I'll do. I'll just be on Negronis.
2: That sounds you good know, to me.
0: One every couple hours we'll so make everybody grow.
2: just so. pick one cocktail and then just, yeah. we'll just oh, like yeah somebody will come up and be like oh, Aldo look i have any a Negroni? i'm like no sorry you gotta talk to mitch He's the <laughs> it'll Negroni. be the most He's annoying <laughs> it'll be the most annoying bar to order a drink from
0: it'll be awesome though uh yeah it'll be great well andrew thank you so much for coming on the show and thank you everybody home for listening and uh we hope that you're having a great summer and uh, yeah that's it for me mitch uh bye everybody thank you Yelma. bye And uh, take care. Comb your hair. You can find all of our content at SoFly.ca. Reach out via email by sending your questions or comments to info at SoFly.ca. Find us on Instagram at the SoFly crew. Thanks for listening.